Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm sitting here with... Tom Dorian, my yes, wingman, doing all right? I'm well, and you? I'm doing just fine and dandy. Got like a big smile candy. on your face. That's right, and I'm all uh, ready to go on an a interesting topic today. Of course. The way I was going to start today's uh, conversation was I was in a, the car recently listening to the radio, and mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt where we are, we don't have Catholic radio. There's not a lot of Catholic radio around right. here in these parts. Um, in the South, and so we have a lot of, uh, well, we'll just say Protestant radio, mm-hmm. uh, well, Christian radio, and so yeah, I listen. Good stuff. That's right, listen to some really good stuff, and I listen to a local Christian station here, and I was noting how many times I heard these phrases. Okay. I, I heard the phrase a biblical worldview, and something that was biblically sound, and I heard the phrase a Bible believing church, and also biblical truth, okay. and I thought about that for a second, and. and and that sounds peculiar sometimes, maybe even a little strange to a Catholic. And what I want to do is talk about that concept today, especially in understanding what Catholics believe about the Bible. Because okay. a lot of people might think that, well, if that sounds strange to a Catholic to have a biblical worldview or talk about biblical truth, that that would mean that Catholics were not in favor of biblical truth exactly. or, or did not have a biblical worldview when, in fact, that's not the truth. Right. But a lot of have people have the perception, maybe even some Catholics are confused about, well, what do we as Catholics believe about the Bible? Right. And so what I thought we'd do is we'd focus a show okay. on the concept of maybe not what Catholics believe, but we'll get to that. But starting with what is the Protestant perspective or the vast majority of Protestants, what, what do they believe about the Bible? Okay. And talk about this concept of sola scriptura, All right. which we've, we've heard many times. Yep. And, of course, sola scriptura, is a, it's a Latin phrase. Bible alone. That's right. Only the Bible. Right. The Bible alone. Scriptura, scripture being scripture, alone. right? And right. sola, uh, we we it means alone or or by itself. And so, essentially, that all of the revelation of God, all the truth of God, everything that God wanted us to know, can be found in this book. Right. From Genesis to Revelation, that is the revelation of God, and that is what we uh, what that's the only place that we'll find. The truth, and mm-hmm. that's that's a teaching, uh, Protestant teaching, mm-hmm. uh, sola scriptura. But I want to talk about that concept because it's actually, well, it's actually untrue. Okay, right. And so from the don't from, hold back. That's right. We're gonna, well, we're gonna, I want to explain <laughs> it in a way. And one of the things we're 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 happy to do here at the Catholic Cafe right. is we want to confront topics right. in a way that is not going to be confrontational and combative. Right. But we're not going to back down off the truth. Right, we're going to tell you what we believe as Catholics, and yeah. I want people to understand that that as Catholics we can't be sola scriptura; we can't live by the Bible alone. Right. Um, in fact, the way we'll look at this is let's talk about sola scriptura, what it teaches us. Okay. And then talk about why that's problematic. All right. Uh, but maybe before I do that, I should start by saying, well, you know, just so we know, just a. Uh, to 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 uh, everyone in the is audience this the recognize dis- disclaimer. Well, this is just to say. Let's just be clear that <laughs> right. the Catholics are not unbiblical. Oh, exactly. No, we, we love the Bible. Yeah. In fact, it was the Catholic Church that brought the Bible to the world. Right. 
and we'll explain that a little bit later, but we love the Bible, and the Catholic Church teaches that every word in the Bible is true. Absolutely. Right? Every teaching, every truth that's found in the Bible at its core is a revelation of God and must be adhered to. Right. And that's an important concept. So we are not an unbiblical people. We're a biblical people. In yep. fact, we were the cause, the original cause of there being a Bible in in the church. Right. Right. So that's important for us to understand. And, and then also, we just have the addendum, the 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 idea that there is the the truth of God, the revelation of God comes to us in two two forms. Mm-hmm. There's sacred scripture, mm-hmm. and there's also sacred tradition. Right. Right. The teaching of the apostles passed down. Right. And then we have this magisterium, the teaching authority of the church, to sort of uh, in an authoritative way to regulate to. To help us interpret and understand the revelation of God right. and apply it to our lives. Right. So this is important for us to understand. So let's talk about sola scriptura. All right. And and see where maybe some of the some of the problems might lie. Okay. With sola scriptura and what the Catholic would say when, especially if you're a Catholic, trust me, if you haven't yet, you will get your good friend who who cares about you Absolutely. and loves you will say to you. Well, if it's not in the Bible, you know, I don't want to hear about it. Or right. show me that in the Bible, because if it's not in the Bible, I don't have to believe it. Right. And that's, and that's an important thing to, uh, to recognize. So the first thing we want to do mm-hmm. is we want to talk about the idea of Scripture alone actually being unhistorical. And what I mean by that is if you look and you search history, mm-hmm. let's go to the early church. The first seven, eight hundred years of Christianity, right? You will not find anybody in the Catholic Church, any great thinkers, any church fathers, any uh, any outspoken people in the church yeah. whatsoever that claims Bible alone that says sola scriptura. Yeah. yeah, not one. There's not one. I couldn't find one. Right. And and I guess the point there is it was not a teaching of the church. Now there are many, many, many. In fact. If you look at all of the church fathers, they will all tell you of the value of Scripture and tell you that it's all true. Mm-hmm. So everything in the Bible is true. All the truths there must be adhered to, right? Everything from start to finish. But uh, nowhere will any of the church fathers ever say, oh, uh, but this is the only place you'll find the truth. Right. In fact, we see the opposite. Yeah. We see the early church fathers talking about Oh wait a second! There's the 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 teaching of the apostles, right? Because even Scripture helps us understand that, you know, that we should adhere to the teaching of the apostles, whether it's orally or written down. Exactly. Right. So it's not historical. Right. And uh, that's the first thing that I would look, especially as a if if a, if I was listening to somebody and say they said, "Hey, this sola scriptura, this is the only place you're." Well, is that what they always believed? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always been that way. Well. Help me see that in history. Show yeah. me some of those writings. And unless you're one of those conspiracy theorists that think that the church came and took all those writings and burned them in some big great heap somewhere in yeah. the Middle Ages, so we wouldn't discover them, you, you know, you you can't believe right. that that there's any historical truth right. to the sola scriptura argument. So that's an important distinction. The second un right that I would talk about is that it's actually unbiblical. Okay. The concept of sola scriptura actually is not in line with the Bible itself. Now, I know that there are many, well, there are many, many Protestants who would disagree with me and say that it can be definitely extrapolated 
from the biblical teachings. But essentially, mm-hmm. there is there is no scripture verse mm-hmm. that says that the Bible alone is the the source of God's revelation. Right. It never says that anywhere. I know. Now, I, I, it reminds me of a story. I was at a, a fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking to somebody about the faith. But I noticed at a booth next to ours, mm-hmm. another person was kind of listening in. Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. And she kind was of like just, here in the Catholic That's cafe. right. She was sitting there, and she was listening mm-hmm. and listening and listening. And I could tell that talking. she was paying attention. No, it's not about We were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so now usually when someone comes to a fast food restaurant, they're in there for maybe 15, 20 minutes, average meal time. They're out of there. Mm-hmm. Well, I was in there for over an hour talking mm-hmm. to this fellow about the faith. Mm-hmm. She stayed there for the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, she wants to know something or talk. So she waited patiently until that man had left. But then she wanted to talk with me about this concept of sola scriptura. Okay. And and she basically, we had this same conversation we're having right now. Essentially, I was saying, well, it's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And I said, show me the scripture verse. And she quoted the scripture verse, uh, which we as Catholics, by the way, believe. Okay. Right? But it's the second letter of Timothy. Uh, uh, this would be uh, chapter 3 verse 16 all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness okay so that's true now and she says that she quotes that and I said well wait a second are you saying that that says that the Bible alone she says absolutely she says all scripture is that says that all scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correct. You can use it for all these things and for training. Still didn't say alone. Yeah, but that's her perception, yeah. right? She saw alone there. She saw scripture. It's all scripture is good for this. Mm-hmm. And I said, I agree. Scripture is good for all these things, but it never says alone in there, mm-hmm. right? And so, and what I what I do at that point is I always ask people when they read that verse. I ask them actually to. Get rid of the word scripture, uh huh, and and put in there peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> right? Get rid of that, and instead of all the stuff about okay, probable, did she, did she well, stand hold up on, hold and on, storm no, out? No, she, no, we were at the eating <laughs> establishment, so she had to listen to me, uh, and so we're and then get rid of all the teaching and reproof and correction, whatever, and replace all that with, uh, you know, good for you, n- nutritional. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So then essentially what what 2 Timothy 3.16 would say is all peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are nutritional, right? That's true. That's true. We agree with that. Yeah. But it never says that you shouldn't eat steak or chicken or fish, right? Right. So – it's not peanut butter and jelly alone. I was exactly. <laughs> I, I wanted her to understand that there's lots of different meals. Well, in this situation, the church would teach, yes, Second Timothy three sixteen is absolutely true. Right. That all Scripture is good. And I said, and furthermore, by the way, ma'am, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but do you know what it means where it says Scripture there? Yeah, it's what not is, the, the what, New Testament yeah, isn't there at that what's point. He refer, yeah, there's no New Testament, so <laughs> Scripture there is referring to the Old Testament. Right. So by your standards. That would mean that the New Testament is not inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And she's like, well, I don't think that's true. I said, I just want to point that out. But then the other reason why, why it's truly unbiblical uh-huh. is that essentially um, there is no table of contents in the Bible. Now, she can open up her Bible and show me a table of contents. Well, that was added. But essentially there was no listing of books. Right. Right, the Bible itself 
the table of contents is not an inspired book of the Bible. There is no book of the Bible that lists what books are in the Bible. And I know this sounds confusing at some point. It does point, sound but confusing. How do you know which books belong in there, I guess, is the point. Okay, right. Right? And the only way, and what I had to explain to her and help her understand was the only reason you know that these books are in the Bible is because why? Because human tradition, which we, which we don't treat as strictly human, we treat it as sacred tradition. Right. Right? Because human beings, under the inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit, as the church, decided what books would be in there. And that, that book that she has now, now her book only had 66 books in it. Her Bible only had 66 books. And the Catholic Bible has 73. But because her Bible, those books showed up in there only because human beings got together, prayed over it, argued over it, fought about it for three to 400 years, yep. finally decided which books should be there. Mm-hmm. Right? So Sola Scriptura is actually unbiblical. Because yep. there's no biblical, uh, there's no book in there that says, here's what should be in this book, by the way. Yeah. Now, there's more to talk about here. We have to get to that third un of Sola Scriptura, and we're going to do that when we get back. First, I want to remind folks of a great website we have, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And I would actually love to hear from you about this show and any other show we've done. And if you have any questions, send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. When you think of saints, you often think of saintly qualities like patience, love, humility, and generosity. Not so with St. Jerome, a priest and doctor of the church born in the mid-4th century. On more than a few occasions, St. Jerome stood outside the church doors doing penance for his bad temper. While this was true, more than anything, he was a staunch defender of the truth and an ardent lover of the Word of God. He felt that anyone who taught error was an enemy of God to be defeated with the swift and sure strokes of his powerful pen. St. Jerome was a scholar of great wisdom and understanding. He was a master of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew and he spent many years in study in the celebrated centers of scholarship like Rome and Alexandria. He was a great student of sacred learning because he realized its vital role in obtaining the beatific vision. He once said, Let us learn upon earth those things which can call us to heaven. Sometimes feared for his veracity, but always known to be a genuine man of God, St. Jerome was respected by his peers. St. Augustine said of him, What Jerome does not know, no mortal man has ever known. He was very prolific in his writings. Above all, his scriptural writings have been without equal in the history of the church. St. Jerome is most remembered for his translation of the Bible into the common or vulgar language of the people, making it more accessible to the common people. Called the Vulgate, his vigilant and meticulous translation was very popular and became the standard version of the Bible for over a thousand years. Many who question the authority of the Church like to point to the fact that St. Jerome openly opposed the inclusion of the seven deuterocanonical books in the official canon of the Bible. While this is true, as he rarely held his opinions to himself, Few people realize that ultimately St. Jerome recognized, upheld, and defended the authority of Holy Mother Church in defining the canon, 
and place the books in their rightful place in the Bible. In 402 AD, St. Jerome wrote regarding this issue, What sin have I committed if I follow the judgment of the churches? At the end of his life, St. Jerome finally settled in Bethlehem, where he lived in a cave believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. He died there in 420 AD. His feast day is September 30th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am still Deacon Jeff. I haven't changed my name. The government's not looking for me, so I'm still okay. You can still call me Deacon Jeff. And I have Tom Doran here, my sidekick, and we are Present. talking about Sola Scriptura. We are. You right? left us hanging, by the way. What happened to the lady? Well, you she, know. I, you know, had you brought the peanut butter and jelly thing. Right. I'd have probably looked at you sideways and left. Well, we were at a, we were at a taco place, and so yeah. I, I don't know how much she appreciated that. But I will say this. <laughs> I will say that uh, a lot of people are, are wanting to know the end of that story and want to know. And it wouldn't be great if I could say... You know what she just at that point her eyes just kind of rolled back in her head and, and yeah. she elevated uh, three feet off the ground <laughs> and this ray of light came upon her head and yeah, suddenly she reality. said I want to be Catholic. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, it didn't happen that way and I don't think that uh, at that moment she had any kind of signs of conversion of any kind. However, I will say that I could tell based on our discussion, which is very pleasant, good, but very firm. I mean, she was yeah. firm in her ensconced in her in her position. While it was very firm, at the same time, there was pause mm-hmm. because she was hearing some things that she hadn't really thought about. And the, and the thing I think that really struck her the most mm-hmm. was that some of the stuff that I was saying, I think, was pretty commonsensical. In other words, it wasn't some lofty theological discussion. It was like it just kind of makes sense right? that what we're saying and explaining it's like, well, at the end of the conversation, basically what she said was, well, I'll pray about this and you pray about that and and we'll we'll pray about it together but i knew at that point that at least when she as we parted and she said i I can see your position when she said that i counted that as victory i counted that as an an opportunity for the holy spirit to kind of move in there and you know where maybe i put a tiny tiny little chink in the armor right maybe put a tiny little scratch Right, and the Holy Spirit will go in there and break open that crack and bust the whole thing open wide. You know, right. that's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. Right, exactly. But I just planted a seed. Yep. And I think that who knows? I don't know where she is. God bless her. I, I, I hope she's still a good Christian woman. Yeah. I'm assuming she is, but I guess point in all this is that don't think you're going to get conversions when you have conversations. No. But you can plant seeds. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we have uh, something th- th- this sola scripture being unhistorical. Mm-hmm. And we have Sola Scripture being unbiblical. unbiblical. And the third element I want to talk about is the idea that it's untenable. Okay. Meaning it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold water. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Common sense. It doesn't make sense. And, and, and this one I think is important too. If you were to – the way I'll explain this mm-hmm. is if you were to play the game of Monopoly. All right. Right. When you open up the Monopoly game, what do you got? You got the board, you got the pieces, you got all that, all that different stuff. You got the little money, yep. right? What else you have in there? If you open up the box and turn it over, what do you got there? The you rules, got, right? Yeah, took the words out of my mouth. That's right. So you got the rules, and so that tells you how to play Monopoly. Exactly. Now you'd think that with the rules there of Monopoly, 
I don't know what Monopoly was like in your house when you were growing up. And when we played. <laughs> it was not friendly, I can tell you that. We had those rules, <laughs> and yet still oh, arguments fights. would right. break out, right? Exactly. There would be discussions about whether you could yeah. or couldn't do this. There, there needed to be opportunities. And then you ended up creating house rules. That, that's right. You needed to interpret the rules. Right. Right. Now, I know that when we're talking about the gospel of life, when we're talking about God's revelation, we're not equating that with the game of Monopoly. Right. We're not, this is not a game that we're playing. This is right. not the game of life. Exactly. It's very serious. We're talking about eternal salvation. Yeah. But it's, an ex- it, it, it's a good story to tell mm-hmm. and a good comparison to make so it help us understand this concept. If you have a, a set of rules, there's still going to need to be some living interpretation of those rules. So you got the Monopoly game. You're still going to need to have some way. Mom, yeah. you know, Jeff says that, you know, we're allowed to do this, <laughs> but I don't think. You know, then Mom comes in and helps explain and sets the record straight. She's right. the sort of the, the arbiter, the, referee. The, the interpreter, the referee. She's going to straighten things out. Yeah. Well, you know, in our game of life, right, we have the Bible, which if you want to call it a book of r- rules, you can. That's maybe a sort of a negative connotation. But right. essentially, it's the rule of life. It's, it's a way to live life. It's, exactly. it's the gospel message. It's, it's, it's the path that we follow Christ. It is the revelation of God, and it's all right. true. Right. But it's not the only truth. Right. And this is important to understand because it still needs, there needs to be a living interpreter of that revelation. I agree. And this is the church. This is the role that the magisterium of the church takes. This is the authority that the Catholic Church has in that sense. Or I should, instead of the authority, the responsibility that the Catholic Church, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, and guided into all truth by the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. This is what the church does. This is what she is only sola capable of doing. No one else, no other entity is capable of interpreting Scripture the way that holy mother church does right so when we have arguments about scripture mom we call in holy mother church and she tells us and helps us understand what we are to take from this passage or that passage and if you don't have that what happens well you know what it can lead to anarchy it can lead to confusion it can learn lead to multiple different denominations right multiple different interpretations splits uh anger uh dissension you know, in, in extreme cases, war and disharmony, all these things can come from having multiple ways to interpret a single verse or a set of verses or a teaching right. that may not be spelled out specifically in Scripture. And that's an important concept. It is. Now, looking at these things that I've presented here, this un- historical concept mm-hmm. of sola scriptura, this unbiblical concept mm-hmm. of sola scriptura, and also this untenable concept of sola scriptura, mm-hmm. scriptura I want to point out there's no um, – it's not insignificant that I have those three things, that I talk about those three concepts, history, scripture, Bible, and then also that, that sense, that sensical thing, that common sense kind of aspect. Right. You can actually test every church teaching by that concept. Okay. Right? No matter what it is, confession of sins to a priest, uh, true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Right, Mary is uh, uh, conceived without sin and lived sinless for her entire life, or whatever. You know, you look at those things, and all of those can be tested historically. What did the church always teach? Mm-hmm. Right, is this something new, right. or has the church always taught this? Right, right. So there's a historical perspective on all those teachings. Mm-hmm. By the way, all the Catholic teachings pass the history test. All right. right, and then and then second, that biblical test. 
Does it hold up in Scripture? Every Catholic teaching holds up in Scripture. Although some Protestants will say, well, this says, you know, call no man, father, whatever. Well, then you need interpretation and understanding of what the – you have to go to an arbiter, to an interpreter to help understand – to, what that to settle that dispute, right? But Holy Mother Church does that for us, right? But every Catholic teaching holds up to the Scripture test, yeah. And in the same way with the common sense test, every Catholic teaching just makes sense, yeah. You know, a lot of people look at the Catholic Church and say, "Oh, you know, you guys have these crazy, these crazy teachings that just yeah. don't make any sense. Why would the why would the Author of the universe, the Creator of all things, cram himself inside this little cookie? It just doesn't make sense, yeah." Right, but then as a Catholic, you say, "Well, Jesus said He would be with us always right. to the close of the age." Yeah, and how does He? How can He be more with us than physically and spiritually, body, blood, soul, and divinity present to us? Right, right. If we just pray to Him, yes, He's present. When two, two or more are gathered in His name, He's there in our midst. Yeah, but not in a physical way. Yeah. And there's no more spiritual or physical or real way in which Christ can be with us in the Eucharist. So a, a, a Catholic would look at the Eucharist and say, well, the why is is simple mm-hmm. because this is how God chose to be with us. Think about all the times he talked about food and nourishment right. and whatever to set people up to help them understand this concept that he was going to when, when when he was going to ascend back into heaven. Right. Right. That there would be, he would still be able to be present with us in a very profound way in Eucharist. Yep. Well, it makes common sense. It then. does. You're right. So you look at those, and you always should test all Catholic teaching. In fact, you should test all teaching yep. against those things. Is it historical? Yeah. Is it biblical? And does it make sense? Yep. And when you do that, then you'll find where the errors in teaching are. That's good stuff. Yeah. So. Hopefully, people can see this also scriptura thing. Yeah. Right? Notice what I just said there, by the way? Also. That's right. I like that. I took sola, and you rearranged the letters. Hey. And, and so S-O-L-A becomes A-L-S-O. I wonder how long that took you to figure that one out. Uh, you know what? I think I'm a little dyslexic, and I think I wrote it down <laughs> wrong one time. But you have this idea, uh, instead of sola scriptura now, the Catholic teaching is also scriptura. Which, I like that. Which means that we believe in scripture. We believe all of it. Right. It's both and. It's scripture and tradition. Yep. They cannot subsist separately. Right. Right? They can't. Uh, they're together. They're, they, they, are, they are actually uh, two streams that come from the same source. Right. The same flowing source of holiness and truth. These two separate streams, both of them being, being true. Yeah. So there we have it. Hopefully we've explained sola scriptura in a way now that Catholics, we, we can all start talking about also scriptura. There you go. Right? Yes, sir. Tell you what let's do. Let's close in prayer. Let's. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the gifts and blessings you've given to us. And in a special way, we thank you for the gift of your revealed truths through your holy word and through the teaching of your church. Help us to realize your divine presence in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. And help us to follow the path that leads us to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.